0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Living Lean podcast. I have today with me, Anna Mitchell. Uh, Anna, uh, for anybody who's not familiar, can you just give an intro to who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. Well, thanks so much for having me here. I am Anna. I
1: am a PCOS trainer, PCOS coach, and I specialize in helping women overcome hormonal imbalances and particularly weight loss struggles due to PCOS. Um, I struggled myself with this for over five years. And after this crazy battle of being dismissed by doctors, not being able to see results and going with more of the traditional like fitness industry coaching methodologies and seeing my body like not respond and realizing like something, something's off here. I realized that a lot of the way that women are treated with PCOS in the industry is is kind of broken. And a lot of doctors, a lot of coaches are pushing these extremes that leave women with PCOS worse than where they started. So my passion now and, and why I started my coaching business with PCOS is because I want to stop people from suffering the way that I have.
0: Yeah, so you started to notice some symptoms, and then did you discover it through lab work, or how did you find out that? How'd you get that diagnosis?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of a, a funny and a long story, but it it went on for about five years. And it first started where, you know, I used to do bikini competitions, So my body responded pretty normally, you know, I could do the preps, I could diet down, I could lose the weight. And then it just kind of stopped working at one point. Like I just had severe metabolic adaptations and I tried the typical reverse diets. I tried every, I had, I went through six different coaches trying to get my body to respond. And I was all into the education and all of that. And something was off. And so I started going deeper and deeper. And as I I went through this journey, a lot of my symptoms got worse as well. And it just became very, very clear. So um, my final diagnosis was through lab work, through ultrasounds, um, all of that. But a lot of it came just from realizing that something was off. And like when I coach clients that it would work and it wouldn't work on me. And it it actually was really hard as a coach to go through this journey yeah. as well. But um, coming on the other side, it's been so empowering and amazing because now I get to help others.
0: Yeah, a lot of the listeners to the show are women or are coaches who coach a lot of women. And so this is something that if you've coached for more than a couple of years, you've definitely run across this and have seen the associated struggles with it. Um, can you first explain the different types of PCOS? Yeah, Absolutely. So I think first, kind of for anyone that isn't familiar with PCOS,
1: I'm not sure like the audience base, but um, it is a condition where your androgens are higher and it's typically marked by having irregular cycles or not ovulating properly um, and having symptoms such as, you know, excessive facial hair, body hair, um, difficulty with weight loss, even hair loss and infertility are some of the side effects. And I will go into each type, but I want to first explain that there is not one like Healing, like medicated approach for PCOS, because it's not actually like a singular disease, it's actually like a cluster of symptoms that are categorized categorized into one. And so that's why we tend to look at like each individual type because PCOS can present very differently in depending on the type that you have. Okay. Makes sense. So yeah. So going into each type, the four main types that we're going to see are going to be insulin resistance which is triggered by obviously having a high or low levels of insulin due to your blood sugar levels, the post-pill type, which is usually a temporary state of PCOS where you have an androgen rebound post-pill, inflammatory PCOS or adrenal PCOS, which is usually triggered by stress and high
0: DHEAs. So is there one or two of those types that you tend to see most often, or is it just kind of a mixed bag? Yeah. Yeah. So, about
1: 70, 80% of these types are going to be that insulin resistant type. But what I really want, like listeners, and especially if you're a coach or someone listening, just to understand is that it's kind of like, you have to actually look at the root cause, not just like treating the, the entire condition. Because if you have one, for example, if you have high stress or or your adrenals are out of whack, then you're going to start seeing insulin resistance. Or if you have insulin resistance, you're going to start having inflammation or gut health issues. So instead of just looking at the one type, I tend to find that once you have one, a lot of the other symptoms start to progress as well. And a lot of people are kind of a hodgepodge of all of them. But I like to like go in and really look at the main root cause. And so what I like to do, especially when I have clients is categorize them into like two main subtypes. And there's either kind of the, metabolic subtype, as I call it, where you're more of the subtype where you have the insulin resistance, potentially this is triggered by excessive weight gain, poor lifestyle choices, um, you know, inactivity, which can cause you to get into that metabolic state. Some of these women are pre-diabetic, for example, they tend to be on the heavier side. Um, and this subset can really benefit from more exercise, from lowering their carb intake, from adding activity in, following an anti inflammatory lifestyle. And so I really like to take more of a moderate, healthy lifestyle approach with that subtype of women. However, there's also this other type, which typically is the adrenal type, um, but I call this more the metabolic resistant type. They're the type that's already tried all the dieting before. They've tried making the healthy lifestyle changes and their body is just like not responding, right? And so this is usually marked by, again, the high DHEAs. Um, I see a common like a commonality where there's, Potential like past trauma, stress, past eating disorders that have triggered the uh, like body to get into this overly stressed state where it's not responding. Um, And again, they might have perfect adherence, but that lower carb intake, higher cardio, go go go, push harder approach is actually digging them deeper into a hole. And so when I see a client with that kind of subtype, the secondary one, I actually have to take a very different approach than maybe someone that's the first type. And so, uh, like I said, I, I think if you can categorize it into those. Two, it's a lot easier to look at like your first line approach.
0: Okay, so is our cysts on the ovaries part of each of these types? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
1: okay. it's funny. I think PCOS and having cysts on the ovaries are not necessarily like. Um, it's kind of a poorly named condition because you yeah. can have cysts on your ovaries and not have PCOS because cysts on the ovaries just mean that you haven't fully ovulated that month. So it is one way that it can be diagnosed, but you can have ovarian cysts and still not have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I think there's actually a lot of talk in in the medical community about potentially changing the name of PCOS because it is almost incorrect based on the condition because you can have one, or you can even have like an ovarian cyst or an abnormal growth. That's not necessarily an, a follicle. That's not fully ovulated each month.
0: Oh, okay. So, so is this something that, uh, you think gets misdiagnosed sometimes? Like when they go in, they see cysts on the ovaries and they're like PCOS and it's not necessarily the case.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, for example, if you have hypoethylaminic amenorrhea, or you've um, under eight or overdieted or even in common in female athletes, you might not ovulate each month. So you could potentially have those cysts on your ovaries, because the follicle hasn't fully matured into an egg and, and ovulated. Yeah. So It can be misdiagnosed and it also is extremely underdiagnosed. About 10% of all women have PCOS, um, yet it's very commonly misdiagnosed or confused because the symptoms are so vague and they present very differently in each person.
0: Yeah. I, at one point, whenever we were trying to um, have, we have two boys now, but when we were trying, we, we, I had, I, I, I had hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I did not know that at the time. Now I see that that's what that was. And they took a scan and they're like, yeah, it looks a little like PCOS ish. And that's all they gave me. They didn't say anything mm-hmm. else beyond that. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that information? Which mm-hmm. I now know that was not PCOS. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a confusing thing. Um, so I know that the, you said that there are different types with different, uh, root causes, but is there any, Um, thing with lifestyle modification that kind of helps across the board or is it just very specific to the person? Yeah.
1: So I think once you've actually ruled out that you do have PCOS, there are a few different ways you can go about it. You know, most doctors, if you've gotten a diagnosis are going to tell you go on the pill or lose weight. That's typically like what everyone hears, And so I have a lot of people coming to me like, okay, well, like I've been told this, but like my symptoms are getting worse and you know, I'm not losing weight despite what I'm doing. And so it's, it's very difficult for a lot of clients because they don't have that lifestyle support. And so yes, losing weight and eating healthy and exercising is going to contribute. But some of the biggest things that I recommend is actually looking at things like stress management. So stress as we've talked about can be one of the root causes and women with PCOS are actually more susceptible to stress as well. So, um, working on like stress management within your lifestyle, within your training and recovery as well is is a huge, huge piece. Um, Balancing blood sugar levels throughout the day, because if you have insulin resistance, we tend to see blood sugar levels kind of spike and drop. Um, Regular exercise, again, a bit lower impact. Um, You don't want to be overly stressing the body, but at the same time, you need to have enough stimulus to create progressive overload and and actually change the body as well, which is a conversation in itself. But across the board, one of the biggest things that I like to recommend with PCOS and especially nutrition wise is instead of cutting all these food groups and going to all these extremes, I say, you know, start by removing processed foods within reason and replacing them with unprocessed foods, really focusing on getting lots of nutrients, a low GI carbohydrates, um, lots of anti-inflammatory fats and healthy fats and oils really replacing maybe the, I don't like to say good or bad, but some of the more processed things with things that are going to nourish your body is, is one of the first line approaches I like to take.
0: So it's more inclusive than exclusive. I know that one of the things that I've seen in your content is like, you don't have to cut out gluten and dairy. So is it more like rather than focusing on those things that you have to exclude, just focus on including like lots of nutrient dense foods and things that are going to be anti inflammatory and, and focus on that rather than taking out. Yeah,
1: this is something I'm really, really passionate about. Um, And I talk to a lot with my clients is that, you know, that we have this, this health industry that's pushing extremes and it's the same, even for clientele that don't have PCOS, you know, it's like, go keto, cut this, cut that. And it usually leaves you more overwhelmed, more restricted, more confused about nutrition than where you started. And yes, we do have to factor in food quality with PCOS. But one thing that I, I like to say is I don't like to cut, you know, all carbs. I don't like to cut all gluten, all dairy as a first line approach because if you don't have a problem with it now we've just demonized a whole food group and restricted your diet and and left you feeling really overwhelmed and so way that i like to look at is following more of like an anti-inflammatory mediterranean style diet not a restrictive diet but actually an inclusive way of eating and i like to kind of say like have you thought of greek food which is kind of like the standard for mediterranean they still have pita bread. They still have feta cheese, right? But they also focus on tons of lean proteins and lots of vegetables and fiber and healthy fats. And so I like to really explain to my clients it's, it's, adding those nourishing things in and finding your unique ability of how much of those maybe you know treat foods or processed foods you can handle. And the, the biggest difference between maybe someone that is more of your gen population is that they can probably handle a little bit more without these crazy inflammatory responses or triggering their hormones. And someone with PCOS, we just have to monitor that closely. And I have some women that can handle way more than others. And so it really is a unique approach of how much balance and flexibility can you have.
0: Okay. So outside of reducing stress and including those anti-inflammatory foods, uh, what else within lifestyle modifications uh, do you recommend like with sleep or recovery stuff or uh, anything along those lines? Yeah. So some things that I really recommend is having a really good sleep routine.
1: Sleep is impacted and sleep apnea is much higher in PCOS as well. So oh, really? um, having a really, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I really recommend having a solid sleep routine and especially cutting out things like the blue light as much as possible in the evenings. This is going to really, really help improve sleep. I've seen just anecdotally, I don't know, like in terms of the research, but I've seen in my clients, they tend to need a little bit more sleep. Than, than my traditional non PCOS girls. So I think that just understanding that, like, especially with the training side, your body needs a lot more recovery. It needs more rest because it's got this kind of inflammation on overdrive. So it's more puffy, it's more inflamed, it's more stress, which are things that impede recovery as well. So having a great sleep routine, cutting out blue light, trying to minimize phone, having like a routine where maybe you turn the lights off early and you take maybe some supplements that can help um, in the evening evening to calm you down. I like L-theanine is a great one. Um, reading or journaling, like stress management plus lifestyle combined is huge. Um, I've also seen things like red light therapy for inflammation and cold water exposure is another great one that I've added in. If 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 you're someone that's comfortable with going as far as
0: trying those. <laughs> I don't know if anybody is comfortable with cold water exposure. That's <laughs> the <laughs> worst. <laughs> so yeah. with sleep apnea, do you think that that is a result of the PCOS or PCOS is a result of the uh, sleep issues. A lot
1: of things in PCOS, I always say, it's kind of like a chicken or an egg, yeah. like same with the same with the blood sugar. It's like, is my blood sugar high because I'm inflamed? Am I inflamed because of the blood yeah. sugar I stressed because of this condition? So I think it's kind of a conjunction of both. I think one is like your stress and your hormones are out of balance. So your body's going to have a hard time getting into sleep and really relaxing and recovering. Um, and then secondary is going to be a lot of times the weight as well can put quite a burden. And a lot of people in this population really struggle because of the metabolic side of things um with weight. So that's it's kind of a double-edged sword. Okay, got it.
0: Uh, so going back a little bit, um, we talked through a little bit of the common symptoms. Um how do those affect women's health down the road? Yeah. So the thing with PCOS,
1: it is linked to a lot of chronic disease. Women with PCOS are more likely to have diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, unhealthy cholesterol, um, depression, anxiety, and um, these are all really liver disease as well. Fatty liver disease is, is another common one, as well as and and I think it's important to touch on this: eating disorders linked to kind of that obsession with the body, because a lot of these women, it's it's crazy to me and why I'm so passionate about this is they come to me and, you know, to the average doctor or they go to, to get help. They're saying, they're saying, lose weight. You're being lazy. You're not trying hard enough, but these women are trying everything. They're being super strict and and nothing is working. And so really having that piece of compassion and understanding why they're at high risk for eating disorders, because they are trying everything. They're highly stressed. They're insecure about their body. And a lot of times, some of the side effects that come along with the condition, like the hair growth or the acne, um, you know, bloating in the stomach area. And then of course the entire topic of fertility, which then can cause an emotional trauma and stress on these clients as well. It does really impact them, like their entire area of their lifestyle, not just their weight, but the mental piece as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit more, more about how that affects fertility. Mm -hmm. Yep. So with PCOS, it's also known as kind of like the
1: diabetes of the ovaries, because when your androgens get high due to the high blood sugar, it does impact the body's ability to ovulate, which is why we see the cysts on the ovaries, because the body's not fully ovulating each month. So this means that you're going to have irregular cycles. Some women have very long cycles. Some women only get a couple per year. Um, And this can impact fertility, of course, because you're not ovulating. So there's less chances for you to get pregnant. Now, I think a lot of women have been told that they can't, or it's going to be very, very hard for them. But if you can manage this through lifestyle, you can have regular cycles. And I've seen many of my clients and many women with PCOS have absolutely no problem at all. Um, But again, I think it does come down to managing it through lifestyle. And then of course, there are doctors, if you do need more of that medical support with fertility as well.
0: Okay. So um, you said something there that made me want to ask a question about it and then I lost it. <laughs> um, so man, I was really wanting to ask that question. <laughs> uh, let's, let's move on and I'll come back to it. Um, so how, how effective is it or how uh, successful is it to, uh, go in on the lifestyle modification? Like how quickly are you seeing results with that? Are there people who you make these lifestyle modifications and you just aren't seeing improvement?
1: Yeah. So I think it depends on, again, those two main subtypes that we're working with. If you're in the first subtype and you haven't made a lot of lifestyle modifications yet, we tend to see very, very quick results. When it comes to the secondary type, there's a lot more even psychological and adaptive areas we need to work on because the metabolism is so downregulated and we have to really get the stress in order where it takes almost an entire psychological change beyond just like the lifestyle modifications. Um, But we do see really great results, usually typically within 12 weeks with most clients we work with. Um, But it does come down to, again, their history, their starting place, what their weight loss goal is. Um, And then obviously their overall goal as well, because if you're someone that is looking to improve fertility or improve symptoms, that's going to look very different than someone that just wants to manage weight and kind of live in a healthy weight management place.
0: Yeah. So are you seeing, do you take labs and look over labs? Mm -hmm. Okay. So are you seeing improvement in um, like estrogen progesterone or are those affected at all? Yes. So progesterone tends to be quite low in PCOS, which is related to the
1: ovulation as well. So a lot of women with PCOS are actually uh, recommended by a doctor, a medical practitioner to take bioidentical progesterone to help them ovulate because it's one of the things that's impacting ovulation as well. low and high estrogen. So we tend to see high estrogen. Often it's in conjunction with PCOS, but I do see, and it kind of goes into that secondary type, which I just want to say like Although we specialize in PCOS, we tend to see other hormonal issues start playing up throughout the process. So when you're in that secondary type, there's usually a a multitude of things going on. And a lot of times we see like Hashimoto's, autoimmune, um, or like really adaptive metabolic conditions. And those we tend to actually see estrogen quite low because the hormones are bottomed out from dieting so long and being so stressed out. So we do see labs improve over a 12 week timeframe. Um, some of our clients work with us a lot longer. So typically, and this is just how our coaching program works is majority of the women we work with, we're looking at improving um, their metabolic condition and we're trying to help them lose the initial weight when we're first working with them from there. And then again, depending where they're at and where they start, we look at really trying to improve things like labs and their individual goals as well. But we've seen some amazing, amazing results, which is just so cool to see. And a lot of what we do is lifestyle. And so I think in the the PCOS space, especially online, we see people hating on doctors, hating on medicine, hating on the medical system. And then there's like the complete like naturopath, natural way of doing things. And I really believe that like people need support in all areas. And it really is a holistic change. So I like my clients to work with a medical practitioner. And if they need medication, that's an option to them. If there's kind of more of the natural supplementation route as well. well. And then you've got the lifestyle, the stress management, the nutrition, and the training piece. And so we like to say it's kind of this full circle approach. And when you tackle all those pieces, that's where the true transformation happens.
0: Okay. So you've talked about the weight management side of that. So Do you have to go in and and kind of tackle those hormonal issues first and then move on to weight loss? Or do you implement these things that just kind of fix both at the same time? A little bit of
1: both. I tend to see a lot of weight comes off pretty quickly with these women when we're actually tackling like the inflammatory and and blood sugar regulation side of things. A lot of times they're so stressed from trying like these really low carb, you know, keto kill myself in the gym diets and their body's not responding that when we go in, we might actually give them like a high carb diet, high in lots of nutrients and healthy fats and anti-inflammatory and actually maybe pull back their cardio and have them walking and working on stress and they start dropping weight fairly quickly. I mean, the average woman over 12 weeks is losing, I would say 15 to 25 pounds. Now it does depend on where they're starting, but that's a lot of that is just inflammatory weight and then getting kind of that consistent weight loss coming off. So yes, within reason, but again, if you have severe metabolic adaptations, there's always going to be outliers where we really need to work on healing the root cause first.
0: Okay, got it. Um, So you kind of touched on supplementation and medication a little bit. Can you talk a little bit more about that side of things? Yeah. So I just want to preface this a huge I'm topic.
1: Not, yeah. I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to briefly go over the medical side of things and, and the medications. There's quite a few that can be given for PCOS. And again, this is where having a medical practitioner to advise you. Um, but one thing I tell a lot of my clients is, medicine is designed to treat a symptom and it's not actually addressing like the reason why these imbalances are coming up. So- I totally support my clients if that's a the direction they want to go and they have that conversation with a medical practitioner, but what we do, obviously we can't um, give them medications. So we work on like more of the supplementation side alongside their doctors. So um, there are things like spironolactone, which can help with acne. It can help with bringing androgens down. Metformin is very common for bringing down blood sugars. Um, that one I tend to find causes a lot of gut issues and a lot of women see just as good Benefits in taking myo- inositol. So, quite heavily talked about in the p space because. Myo plus D cryo inositol helps with insulin sensitivity. It helps reduce the insulin levels. It helps with ovarian function, menstrual cycle regularity, helps with amenorrhea, reduces free testosterone, can help with weight loss, improved blood and lipid profiles as well. So there's a lot of benefits in this one supplement, which again, in some research has been shown to be as effective as metformin without some of the side effects. And it's actually inositol is a carbohydrate. It's even found in some foods. So, very little risk taking it, very inexpensive. Um, just any mild decryonositol you can take. Um, but the research has shown it takes about six months of consistent use to get the maximal benefits. And it's not like a, I think all supplements are, are kind of like this. It's it's not like this magic cure that's going to suddenly fix you. It needs to be in conjunction with lifestyle changes. So, that's one across the board for all types of PCOS. I'd recommend all women starting.
0: Okay. And, uh, are there some supplements that you will use differently with each uh, individual type? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So out of the four types, there's going to be different supplements I take, but I think it's first important to talk about the ones that we kind of give everyone across the board. So on top of taking inositol, I recommend taking like a vitamin D because vitamin D is typically quite low in PCOS as well as healthy fats like omega-3s. One way we actually like to do this is by um, helping encourage the clients to get them from natural food sources. Um, We like healthy omega-3s like salmon and, and fish oils and a lot of our clients diets. Um, but if you need to supplement, that's always an option as well. Um, and adaptogens are huge for the stress side as well. So if you're someone with adrenal PCOS, absolutely. I would recommend adaptogens, but also most types tend to deal with a stress issue as well. So I tend to like to add those in. Um, And like I said, L-theanine is great for sleep as well. So across the board, those are ones I recommend. Now, if you have insulin resistance, um, there's things like berberine, which can help. Um, I would just suggest if you're someone listening and you're already taking metformin, adding berberine and inositol, on top of your medication could be overdoing it. And a lot of our clients find that if they're taking metformin, they tend to actually not need it when they're adding their healthy lifestyle and supplementation in, and they can weaned off medication as well. So it is a conversation with a medical practitioner, but it is absolutely possible to manage naturally. And it is important to educate on that as well. Um, Other things I really like is stinging nettle. This is really great for bringing androgens down, Peppermint tea helps bring androgens down. So those can work across the board as well. Post pill, I like to really work on almost like detoxing the body because a lot of times there's kind of there's a lot of things going on with the gut from being on the pill, which is, again, another conversation itself, but also really supporting the body and the liver. So um, things like taking sulfur- fluorophane, which I cannot pronunciate, um, is a great one, milk thistle, um, things like that are going to really support it. Dandelion root tea as well to help with kind of detoxing the body. Inflammatory, hopefully I'm not just like rambling a whole list here for you. No, this is great for inflammatory. Again, we're really working on inflammation. So you do have those lifestyle pieces. Um, but then things like curcumin, omega threes, um, NAC is really great. Um, I like, I like giving artichoke. Artichoke is a great one, either eating or supplementing it. Um, It's really great for your gut health as well. So that's something I incorporate a lot with clients. And then again, back to the adrenal, just so we cover it again, I really like to use adaptogens, but I think understanding you can't like out adaptogen or out supplement yeah. a lifestyle. So it really is, it's not just, Oh, I need to meditate or, Oh, I need to calm down. But it's like, what is the cause of your stress? And a lot of times it's like, we're avoiding things or, you know, we need to feel stress. And so it's almost like this fundamental, like looking at your behaviors and your mindset and addressing that before any of these supplements are going to fix
0: it. Yeah. Um, this is a huge topic, but do you have a lot of clients coming in at this point, uh, using semaglutide? Yes. And no, I get a lot of people asking about it.
1: Um, there is some evidence that it can help with PCOS and bringing the blood sugars down. Um, but then there's also a lot of side effects like under eating and metabolic adaptations and being left in a worse position than where they started. Right. And so for semaglutide, I think, you know, if you have a medical practitioner there, there's some benefits that can really help with hormone dysfunction, like the ghrelin and leptin down regulation and helping with that, helping resensitize insulin for clients, but understanding it's not to be used for like a weight loss, like magic pill, right? Because what's going to happen is if you're taking this and say you're under eating what happens with this drug is that it causes your body to break down muscle pretty quickly. And so if you're breaking down muscle this quick, and and you know this as you're coaching clients, you want to try and improve body composition. So women with PCOS are already in a worse metabolic position to start with because they have a downregulated metabolism. And so we try to counteract that in our approach by helping them build muscle and get strong, which in turn helps improve their metabolic rate. But if you're taking a medication like this, sure, it may suppress your appetite. It might help with some things. It might help regulate blood sugar and cravings, which are really, really helpful. But understand that if you're losing muscle at this rapid of a rate, you're gonna be left in a worse metabolic position. And when you come off and all the research on, on this drug has shown that most people are regaining the weight and potentially more, it is a very big risk factor. So you have to weigh out the risk and reward.
0: Yeah. And if you're, you're wasting muscle, especially with that insulin resistant type muscle is like a sink for your glucose. And so if you have less muscle mass, you're going to become more insulin resistant, which is it's like, it helps on one hand and hurts on the other hand. Yeah. Um, so just kind of like looking at um, all of this as a whole, can you can you give sort of like a sample day with some um, some example meals that would be good in this case or on the other side, like uh, some training advice that would that kind of like put together an example day for this type of client?
1: Yeah, I love this question. Okay, so in terms of training, like I mentioned, we really wanna focus on getting strong. And so a big issue I see come up is, A lot of girls are fearing exercise because they've been told, oh, this is going to trigger so much stress in your body and it's going to ruin things for you. And so understand that how exercise science works is exercise naturally triggers a stress response. And that triggers the body to then, you know, break down the muscle and then rebuild the muscle and grow and adapt. That's how like cortisol stress and exercise work. So understanding that this is not something we're going to avoid. And if you're under training, I actually think it's worse because you're basically just causing more fatigue without getting the end result you're looking for. Right. So I like to say we need to work smarter, not harder, very strategic. I like to do this by doing, um, shorter duration workouts, using a bit heavier load and weight, um, long rest periods, and then having like uh, quite a bit of duration between each session so the client can really fully recover. So this usually for me, I would say is anywhere from three to four days per week in the gym and just being very, very intentional with training. Um, Now, an example day of how training looks, it does depend on the client's goal, but I would say I like to start the workout obviously doing warm-up sets. So we're not like straining the muscle, um, getting the body warmed up, and And then going in for more of a compound movement, maybe like a squat or a deadlift or a hip thrust, for example, I like to use multi-joint movements in the beginning of workouts simply because we do get fatigued quite easily. So I want to use the maximal exertion early on. From there, I may do maybe some like accessory work after that, depending on the client's um, area they want to work on. So if it was like a lower body day, I would do, let's say a hip thrust or a squat to start Then I'd have them do something like, um, a split squat or a leg extension, and then finishing off kind of the, the intensity of the exercise kind of lightens towards the end of the workout as well. And I'd say this doesn't change too much compared to maybe how I would personally program for a non PCOS client, other than the biggest factor, which is going to be recovery. And inflammation. So I think that looking at that and saying, okay, our energy levels are lower, our fatigue gets lower. Um, and we really need to be strategic in the way that we can fully recover before hitting that muscle group again. And so I'm usually looking more on the stress and recovery side than like, this has to be this amount of time or this way to be a the qualified PCOS workout. I don't think that's true. I think a lot of people are putting a lot of crap out, out there online. Like you have to do low impact and yes, low impact brings stress down, but it's not changing your body. So yeah. we need to elicit enough muscle adaptation and growth, but it's really the recovery piece. That's going to be the game changer here.
0: Okay. So are you okay with them pushing pretty close to failure? As long as you're taking plenty of rest days in between?
1: I don't like them going all the way to failure. I'd say having about three reps in reserve. So still pushing for progressive overload, but we don't want to be maxing out because again, the body can really, um, have a hard time recovering there.
0: Okay. Got it. And you said two to three days per week or three or four. (laughs) It does depend. So, like how I typically bring
1: a client in is I like them to start around three days. And if they're handling the load well, then I start adding a little bit in. If they're only doing three days a week, I prefer more of a full body split. If they're doing four days, I tend to do an upper lower split. I rarely put people on five unless they're like hyper responding. They love the gym, they want to do more and more. I just tend to find that it really is being strategic and just working smarter.
0: Okay, so once this type of client has their PCOS under control, lab work is looking good, is this a situation where they can just kind of like be dug out of this hole hormonally and then train as they want to? Or is that going to kind of put them right back where they were?
1: Yeah, so I would say that PCOS can never be cured it is something you're always susceptible to. So what we really teach is a lifestyle that helps you manage it. Now, certain things can come up, like you go through a stressful life event or maybe you start overtraining or whatever it is, it could trigger those symptoms. Maybe you're eating foods that are causing a lot of inflammation, you're gonna have flare-ups come up. And so you have to learn how to constantly manage it. But it is completely possible, and I'm a testament to it, that you can live symptom-free. You, I don't really actively think about the fact I have PCOS, But if I get, you know, way too excited about the gym and I'm overtraining or I go out a little bit too much or, you know, I have too many treat foods here and there or I get really stressed, I tend to see things really flare up and and send me backwards again. So I would say it's finding your unique ability across the board. What we've shared today is going to help a client. But I would say everyone also is kind of on a sliding scale and some people can handle more than others. And that's why I don't think it's a one size fits all approach.
0: Okay. And then what about off days? Is that where you would want to say just like, Hey, let's take a walk, do your ice baths, (laughs) red light and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I think, um, enjoyment is a really overlooked piece of the process. And a lot of people are just stressed out because they're doing things they don't like, and they're just not enjoying the process. And so I really work closely with my clients to figure out how can we make this fun and something that you love. And a lot of times I pull almost all cardio on a treadmill or, you know, on a machine out. And I encourage my clients to get outside in nature because you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're getting that natural light exposure. You're getting in nature. It's almost like a form of meditation walking outside. I'll even say, Hey, turn all music off. Like just, just go in silence and and like be with yourself. And so getting outside or doing things with your kids or learning to dance or whatever it is, is going to be a way that, you know, movement brings joy into your life and movement. And I don't think we should, Fear exercise with this condition. It's actually going to help with insulin resistance. It's going to help with mood. It's going to help with energy levels. But we have to do it in a way where it's not making you miserable. And a lot of times, I personally love working out in the gym and I love going a treadmill. And to me, that's fun. But I know for the average person, like getting outside and working on their stress is going to have way more benefits than just trying to hit X amount of miles per minute on on the treadmill.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, what about on the diet side of things? Um, is this like, are you recommending a certain number of meals per day? Are you giving macros and then like food selection guidelines, or do you, um, give a specific meal plan? What, what's the, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. So it does depend on where the client is at. I tend to find, I like to take a three-step approach with clients. So giving them a little bit more structure on the front end and then really working towards full flexibility as they've had a bit of free reign. And and the reason I do it like that is because if you tell someone macros and they just are working on macros, they can kind of figure it out. But when there's so many variables with like food choices and anti-inflammatory foods, it can be really confusing of like, how do I pull all these macros together? And so how I like to start with most of my clients is giving them a bit more structured of a day. We do work with macros, but then we give them example days of food of what this would look like. And then as we move into each step, we give them more examples that, and we start reincorporating different foods in and seeing how their body can tolerate it. You know, can you have the, like this many free meals out or can you eat this much gluten without, you know, having something flare up? And then eventually the last phase of our program is pretty much full flexible dieting Um, But they've used a lot of the tools they've learned in the early stages to have that full freedom. Um, One big thing that I do like to say is, again, we're not cutting gluten dairy to start, but also understanding that like low carb is is not superior either. Like having carbohydrates and and low GI carbs in particular and high fiber is going to help stabilize blood sugar. So one way that we do along with kind of giving them the structure is we're really showing them examples of how we want the day to look. So the day might have anywhere from, depending on the client's needs individually, I would say between three to five meals per day is our our average range. And then within those, we like to balance the plate. So balancing a protein, a carb and a fat so that we're stabilizing their blood sugar. And so we work with each client on what are those foods that you like to eat that are going to have that balance. And one of the biggest things we see coming in is a lot of people are either fasting all morning, which I could, I could go into fasting is a common question with PCOS. Um, and then they have cravings and overeat or they're just eating carbs in the morning and they're having blood sugar crashes. So having that balanced plate and for example, like a breakfast might look like eggs and maybe they have some oatmeal or they have a side of fruit or some veggies there. Um, we like to eat smoothies a lot just because it's a great way to pack in lots of nutrients and lots of fiber Then we have lunches, which again, are more of a balanced meal. So we're going to usually combine a protein, a carb and a fat together. And I always say to my clients, there's kind of this method that the three by three by three method, I like them to pick three proteins, three carbs, um, and then three veggies that they're going to have to meal prep for the week. The fats usually come within the proteins and you can always add fats to them. But if they grocery shop, I say, find three of each and then combine them as meals. And you're usually set for the week.
0: Yeah, I like that. So I'm sure this depends on each person and their individual goals, but as like a general rule with a, um, an adrenal PCOS, is that a situation where you're trying to make sure they're not in a deficit And then vice versa for the insulin resistant type, or is it just more case by case?
1: I like to start most clients around maintenance calories and see how their body responds, because generally speaking, if you are giving them an anti-inflammatory lifestyle and doing all these changes that we've talked about, they tend to respond really well without having to push them into low calories or or manipulate their caloric ranges too much. So that's where I really like to start and then see how their bodies respond. Um, But generally speaking, yeah, if we do have an adrenal-based case, adding too much cardio, dropping food too low can actually make things a lot worse. So I like to just start there. And then depending on, you know, is this caused by metabolic adaptations? Do they need to get out of, you know, get into a reverse and get out of a diet is, is a big piece as well, but we do have to be careful. And I just want to reiterate this because I went through this myself where I had coaches trying to reverse diet me because they thought I was adapted. And then all those carbs just made my PCOS so much worse. And then it was so hard to get out of there that, you know, sometimes Although a lot of cases, if you don't have PCOS, reverse dieting is a great thing to do. I think adding, you know, a high carb diet into someone that is maybe very sensitive and didn't realize, which is why it's important to look at lab work and things before, you know, driving someone into high calories or, or even driving them into low calories as well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a big topic, like reverse dieting with, with that type of client uh, that makes like my, my brain is just spinning with a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> um, this is, this is such a big topic and it feels like it's something that we could go down different rabbit holes and just like ask question after question on this. So if somebody is having symptoms that they think maybe PCOS, what do you feel like, or what do you, what would your, your advice be for them? First off, is it go get labs? Is it hire a coach? What do you think that they should do first? I definitely think lab work is really important. Um, again, the symptoms of
1: PCOS can be very vague, but I tell a lot of people that come in to us because we get a high percentage that either were misdiagnosed PCOS or they think they have PCOS, but they're not getting diagnosed. And I tell everyone that like some of these things are just red flags and you should be an advocate for your own health. Because if you're feeling this fatigued all the time, or you're having abnormal bloating, or, you know, like your hair is falling out, like these are not things that should be ignored. So absolutely yes, go get testing and be an advocate and start learning about these things. I've had many clients come in they were diagnosed with PCOS, but I realized something else was going on as well. And we find out they have an immune condition, but no doctor wanted to test that or anything. We had to like really advocate for them. They had to go get excess labs done. And so I recommend across the board that if you're noticing any symptoms of, of hormone imbalance, like don't let any medical practitioner or anyone for that matter, talk down to you or make you feel like you're being crazy. Like go get the labs. Sometimes it is a pain because you have to pay out of pocket. It's, you know, the medical system is frustrating, but things like getting a full thyroid panel done, um, sex hormones. So things like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEAs, um, luteinizing hormone, FSH, those are great for, especially if you're someone that's trying to conceive. Um, and then other markers as well, like vitamin D, um, comprehensive metabolic panel, anything of that nature is going to be really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's something that I've run into and numerous clients have run into is, hey, my doctor won't order these for me or they're going to have to be all out of pocket and it's over a thousand dollars. At this point, there are so many resources like life extension or advanced vitality is who we work with you can, you can figure out a way to get your labs. So don't, don't stop there. If your doctor isn't willing to, to help you out with that, you know, you can find a different doctor that's more willing to listen and um, find those codes. So is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Um, yeah,
1: I think the biggest thing is if you're someone that suspects you have P2S, like please go after looking f- and figuring out what's going on because I was someone like I said that for five years it was like everyone was telling me I was being lazy or I wasn't working hard enough and it really defeated me and my character like it, it it really impacts your almost your confidence in a way because you're you're trying everything you're doing everything and it's like the definition of um insanity when you're doing the same thing over and over so I encourage you if you're noticing these things don't think you're crazy at all like go find people there are people that care and are passionate about helping you um, if you're someone that wants more you know targeted support with PCOS we do have a 90 day coaching program TFL method we go over all the things we've talked about today um but there's many resources out there again like you said advanced vitality for getting labs i like dutch tests as well if if you're worried about you know paying for so many different labs the dutch is very comprehensive and it does look at all the meta- metabolites not just the the one level cuz i do see a lot of women coming in as well that say hey like everything says in range, but like things are all off and I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's dive a little deeper. Right. So there's a lot you can do. And I just say, you know, don't, don't let people dismiss you, go dig, go find the answers. I will say this, if you're looking for a problem, sometimes you can find one and (laughs) want to, but um, I think it's important that we're advocates for our own health and we're educated around our health. And the end of the day, that's my passion is I, I don't want people to struggle the way I once did.
0: Yeah. This has been super helpful. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug, give out your socials, anything like that? Sure. Yeah. If you want to follow
1: me, my Instagram is PCOS trainer. Uh, we also have a uh, Instagram page, TFL method, which is our program. If you want to go see all our client results, it's on there.
0: Um, and yeah, TFLMethod.com If you want to check out our website. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you to all the listeners for joining us today and we will see you next time. See you. Thanks.